So recently I introduced the epistle of James by identifying him as the half-brother of Jesus, and that he was writing to the Jewish believers as well as to unbelievers throughout the Roman Empire. And we, we learned that James didn't base his authority in writing this epistle on his relationship, uh, his blood relationship to Jesus, nor did he base it on the authority that he had as a, a leader, as an elder in the um, church in Jerusalem and the prominence that he played in the early church, but rather that he based it on the fact that he saw himself, as we read in that first verse, as a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. James had undoubtedly learned humility from observing Jesus even though he didn't become a believer until after the resurrection, but that he had learned it from Jesus, of whom we can read in Philippians, the Bible tells us in chapter 2, that Jesus, um, having found himself in, in the form of man, made himself of no reputation, but took upon himself the form of a servant. And that's what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did, and, and that's also what James did in his life. And so... I'd like to use as our text uh, the next uh, um, two and uh, or three verses and part of the fifth verse, and just like to read that beginning here with verse number two, where James writes, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. So five weeks ago, um, Benjamin preached on First Peter, and he entitled the message, Rejoice in Suffering. And to briefly summarize some of the points that he made, how that Peter acknowledged, uh, much as James does as well, that trials and suffering are a reality in our Christian lives, but that we can still rejoice in the midst of them. And we can rejoice, he said, he made four points, and I'd just like to um, uh mention them briefly, and if you didn't listen to that message, certainly encourage you to do so, but that we can rejoice in the midst of trials um, because, number one, they are temporary. Number two, they are necessary. And number three, they are purifying. And number four, they will ultimately bring us, glo- um, bring us glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so the believers that both Peter and James were writing to were certainly facing trials that were directly a result of them being Christians, being persecuted for their Christian faith and for their beliefs. But they were also facing trials that were not because they were Christians, but simply because they were living in the world at that time. And so things that were going on then, things like famine and, and sickness and poverty and, and loss, those um, were all the result for them 
as they are for many people in the world today, a result of living in a sin-sick and a fallen world. As I think back about uh, my own parents, and um, perhaps many of your parents as well, and perhaps even some of you that uh, experienced the aftermath of the Second World War, for my parents, they experienced a lot of loss, loss of their homeland, their possessions, their homes. Um, They lost everything, in a sense. But it was not because they were Christians. It was because they were Germans living, uh, they were ethnic Germans living in Yugoslavia at the end of the war. And yet, even though they had to suffer that, like many others did, God was able to use that for good. And I, I just, I remember the, the um, experience that my own father shared, how that in, in that situation, being taken into Russian as a, as a um, uh, prisoner into a labor camp uh, where, where hundreds and thousands died and, and extreme uh, hardship was experienced, that it was in that experience that he called out and cried out to God and began his conversion experience, which came to fruition as he was then number of years later, able to leave that and make his way to freedom in the West. But God used even that to remind him of the love that he had for him and that he wanted to not only redeem him out of that situation, but redeem his soul as well. And so James is writing here that we should rejoice in divers' temptations, not words that... uh, um, Divers, not a word we commonly use, but it simply means that we should rejoice in different kinds of trials. And, and trials and difficulties and challenges that, that we experience in life, they come to us in different shapes and forms and, and for different reasons as well as we, as we go through life. Sometimes it's just because of circumstances that are really out of our control, much like what we are going through right now. At other times, though, the the difficulties and trials that we experience in life can be a result of the choices and the decisions that we have made in our lives. And sometimes they are also the result of, of decisions and choices of others that have an impact and, and influence our lives as well. But there are times when we really can't explain what's going on in our lives and those difficulties and challenges and trials that we go through. And we, we kind of have to come to a place where, where we need to accept that they... Um, that we don't know, and it's just just because, and we use that phrase sometimes. But, you know, with God, there really isn't just a because, because he, he has purposes, he has reasons for what he allows and what he permits in everybody's life, including ours. And so in our text this morning, James is not at all focusing on a, a certain type of trial that... Um, we would face or that the believers then were facing. But more importantly, he is focusing on the response 
to it and what it can and what it should ultimately produce in us, what uh, it should accomplish in our lives. And that's really what he is getting to. And so we should um, try to understand what, what James is speaking about here and and consider how we should respond also to the trials in our lives. And so clearly, like Peter, the first point he makes is that it should be with joy or rejoicing. And secondly, it should also be with the knowledge that God is really working something, a greater good, that that he is not allowing this, as we sometimes say, to make us bitter, but rather to make us better through all of that. And that ultimately, as, as we heard in, in Ben's sermon, that it is to purify our faith and conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, we should also recognize that, that very often this is perhaps like a season of our life, a, a, a time uh, that we are going through some circumstance and that it is really part of a journey that ultimately has a goal and that God has goals and purposes for us in that and that he wants us to recognize that and see it in that way. And finally, as as we can certainly read in the fifth verse here about asking God that that the trials we go through, the difficulties, the challenges that we have, whatever they might look like or be, that they would be the very thing that causes us to turn to God. Why? Because he wants to help us. He wants to be there for us. And he wants us to hold his hand through that experience and know that he is at our side. So how we we should and how we actually do respond to these trials does actually reveal something about our faith, about our relationship with God and and what he is doing and, and how we see him in our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read that how and with what we build on the foundation um, which is uh, faith in Jesus Christ, that that will ultimately be revealed on the day of judgment, the day of the Lord. There's a day coming when we stand before him with when when it'll be exposed, so to speak, how we have built upon that foundation of Jesus Christ. However, every day, uh, as we as we face life and especially the trials uh, that we need to deal with, um, they end up revealing as well how um, how solid our foundation is, how secure, how sure our relationship is with the Lord. And so James says that the trying of our faith worketh. In other words, he's saying here that these trials, they are at work in us. And they are producing something in our lives. So we should ask ourselves that question. What are those trials in our life? Whether they are ones that, that we have experienced in the past, um, maybe going through right now or perhaps will go through in the future. 
What are they producing in your life, in my life? Are they causing fear, anxiety, selfishness, envy, perhaps short-tempered tempers, unkind words, ungodly character? And that list could go on and on. And really, those the Bible describes at times as, as the works of the flesh, and they would be very natural responses um, that we can even witness around the world even at this time, but that we have also perhaps experienced in our own lives. But hopefully, as you reflect back upon your experiences of going through difficulties and challenges of trials, whether they are a result of being a Christian or just a result of living in this world, hopefully as you do that, that you will be able to see that that really God has been at work in that. And it reminds us of the scripture that we, we often quote, and we all probably know by heart, Romans 8, 28, uh, you know, where, where the Bible says that all things work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. In other words, all things means everything, including trials. It, it's not just the good things in life, the pleasant things that we can experience and the blessings that God gives us, but, but all things, they are intended by God to to work in our hearts, in our lives, and accomplish good, accomplish his purpose, which are manifold. Um, but among them are these, and I'll just mention three, and you can certainly add to these as well as you, as you consider what you have experienced in your life in the past. But they should be causing us to draw near to God, much as James in, in a later chapter talks and, and he says, draw near to God and, and he will draw near to you. In other words, we, we come to God in life circumstances, especially the difficult ones, and draw near to him. And then in that process, we, we experiencing him coming to us. It's like we often sometimes say, you know, we take one step towards God, he takes two towards us. And if we approach God, especially in his word, looking into his word for comfort and for strength, we will find it. God will meet you in your need. He will be there for you if you are looking to him. So hopefully these trials are causing us to draw near to God, but hopefully they are also causing us to call upon the name of the Lord. You know, it's natural for us to to try to do it on our own, to try to figure things out, to try to solve the problems. And some of us do that better than others. But ultimately, God wants us to understand that he is the one that's in control, that he is the one that is has always wanted to be and, and truly is our helper in our time of need. And so we need to to call on the name of the Lord, even as we read here, that if you lack the wisdom, if you are lacking the understanding or the wisdom to, to know how you're to deal with this situation or to be able to go through this situation, you can ask God and, and He will He will give it to you. And thirdly here, that these trials that we face should be um, 
creating or causing um, or bringing about godliness in your life, in my life. The fruit of the Spirit, and, and we know that, love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You know, that stands in contrast to the the works of the flesh that are mentioned there in Galatians just before we read about the fruit of the Spirit. But so let me ask you that question. Is and have the things that you go through in life, especially the difficult and challenging things, are they working that out in your life? Are they bringing that to pass? And they will and they can if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and lives and produce that fruit. Because the others are a natural response that we have as human beings. But the fruit of the Spirit is the result of living in the Spirit, of walking in the Spirit, and having the Spirit of God be in control of our lives. And so in that list here, we we saw this word long-suffering. We don't typically use that uh, in our vocabulary nowadays. And in Scripture, uh, it's more commonly interpreted as or translated as, as patience. And in our particular text, the, um, the words perseverance and endurance would actually be a, a better um, a translation than patience. And I'd like to explain that to you. So we normally would equate patience in our lives as being something that is very passive. Um, meaning that we're waiting something out, kind of like waiting in line for for your turn, which a lot of us have probably been doing uh, uh, quite a bit these days. But the Greek word uh, translated um, as patience in our text here um, actually indicates activity rather than passivity. It's, it's implying that, that there's action going on. And it can be defined in this way. As having the quality to stand facing the storm, struggling against difficulty and opposition. Let me repeat that one more time. This word patience, which really better could be... Uh, um, could say perseverance or endurance, really means to have the um, quality to stand, face the storm and struggle against difficulty and opposition. It's a quality that really makes progress against the trial rather than just waiting that difficulty out. And it truly is perseverance and endurance. And we, I think, understand very well what those words mean. You know, James, um, in chapter 5 of, of his epistle, he he builds on this aspect of, of patience, this way of, of looking at patience, maybe a little bit differently than we would normally think of it by illustrating it and also giving some examples from the Old Testament. He uses the illustration of a farmer who who 
plants his seed, and then he waits for the rain to to come to to water that so that it would grow so that ultimately he can have a harvest. But we we know that a farmer doesn't just plant his crops and then sit back and, and just wait for the rain. Farmers are busy people and, and he has a lot to do and, and among that is that he needs to to um, do whatever he can to make sure that that crop grows and in the context of of um, the Bible in, in those times, it certainly would have been one in which he would have been diligent as you that are gardeners as well, diligent in in, in getting rid of the weeds and keeping the weeds um, out so that the 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 plants can grow uh, properly but he's also busy doing other things around the farm and and uh, attending to to his his farm and the animals and so on but then James goes on to say take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patient in um and of patience Behold, we count them happy, which endure. It's so interesting to me how how he really, um, James does this a lot in his epistle, how he makes certain points and then and then builds on them later on. And we'll, we'll see that as we go through the book of James. But he, but he says this, and, and then he also references the patience and endurance of, of Job. And we know also that that the prophets they they really literally patiently endured many times um, affliction. This morning in Bible class, we you know we learned about Jeremiah. The lesson was, and and certainly he was a prophet who endured tremendous trials and persecution and, and hardship in his life. Um, read it, and, and you'll. It's just amazing, but but he did that patiently, but all the while boldly proclaimed the the message that God had had placed upon his lips and and and, and asked him to deliver to the people to the peril of his own health and well being and very life, and so for him this um, this patient endurance was was not a passive one it was very much an active one in in which he was still doing the very things that god was calling him to do and we know that that job while he did suffer in in silence many times that yet in in his heart and with his lips he could proclaim that i know that my redeemer lives and that i shall stand with him at the latter day and so we, we really need to look at this idea of, of, of patience here, of, of not just simply one of, of hanging around and, and waiting or, or just uh, being very passive, but, but one of, of really persevering and pushing through the circumstances that we are in and really looking for the ways in which God is trying to use that to accomplish his purposes in your life and in my life. And so perhaps we, we should ask ourselves the question, what are we doing in our lives while we are waiting? Are we really persevering? Are we really being active in, in, in trying to uh, 
work out the very things that God is trying to work out in, in our lives and, and letting him do that for us. And, and there's probably numerous examples that, that we could look at for that. And I'll just try to touch on a few here. And, and, and obviously many of you are, are waiting patiently to be able to get back to work. And what are you doing in that time? Are you letting God use that to really do those things we talked about earlier to bring you closer to Him, to to be in His Word and to understand His will, His purposes for your life, and and to really call on Him? And and hopefully, hopefully that is true for for some. And 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 even before all of this happened, or maybe sometime in the future, you may be waiting for for. Um, a better job, a, a different job, one that uh, maybe the one that you're in is 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 really like a, a trial or a challenge that you're going through and you want something better. But but are you really applying the scriptures to your circumstances, to your life in the sense that, you know, like the Apostle Paul said to the Philippians, um, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content, to be content in our life and, and in in the circumstances that we we are, and and he went on to say that I, I know how to to be abased or to be put down and to, to be lifted up, but he wanted in in everything that that he could be honoring God and and living for Him, and so we we should look at the circumstances in life, perhaps very much like stepping stones, something that we should um, look at as, as as a way to take us to where God wants to bring us and wants us to be. Some of you, and, and this may touch a nerve, but some of you may be waiting to be married, uh, wishing to be married, longing to be married, and there's nothing wrong with that. The, um, you know, uh, the Bible says that he that desires a, wife, desires a wife desires a good thing, and certainly that is, is God's will for most and most everyone. But... Sometimes waiting for that or being turned down in that or bypassed in that it can be a trial, can be a, a real challenge and a difficulty. And yet it's in circumstances like that that, that God wants to us or, or you, if you find yourself in that place, he wants to use that. He wants you to use that, and he wants to use it in your life to bring about his purposes and to to accomplish his purposes and to to make and to prepare you for that time and to grow you in your faith and and to recognize that the purpose of singleness is not to uh, get married it's really to in many ways to prepare us for marriage by living our christian life now and, and living lives in which god is is in control and god is sovereign and god is is leading and directing us and, and making us and causing us to become everything he wants us to be you know, some of you that are listening or perhaps watching, um, that are elderly, that are approaching the sunset of your life, and 
you've no doubt have gone through many things uh, in life, many difficulties and challenges, and, and maybe asking yourself, you know, why am I still here? I, I frequently have heard that in, in visiting um, elderly people. And we try to encourage them, as I do you, that, that God has a purpose for that. That you may, um, you may be waiting patiently for God to call you home. But let me remind you that the Bible, uh, in many places, encourages us that we need to be faithful unto death. That we need to persevere and persevere to the end. That we need to endure to the end. And that is so important. But that persevering and that enduring is not just patiently twiddling our thumbs, so to speak, and waiting for that to happen. But really asking God and, and asking him to show us what we can do and what he wants us to do uh, while we are waiting, either for the Lord's return or for him to, to call us home. And he does want us to be faithful and to be persevering and enduring to the very end. So what God is is wanting to accomplish in our lives, James tells us very clearly here that it is that we would be perfect, number one, that we would be entire and wanting nothing. And let's just briefly unpack that a little bit. What that really means, what was James talking about to be perfect and entire and and wanting nothing? In other words, what he was really saying here is that that these trials that we are to be patiently enduring, but also persevering through, that they should be creating in us and causing us to become more mature Christians. To be, as we talked about earlier, to really be walking in the Spirit. And to be filled with that fruit of the Holy Spirit. And really to live a life of godliness with contentment. Because it says here, wanting nothing. And the Bible teaches us very clearly, and we read it in Timothy, that godliness with contentment is great gain. And that if we have food and raiment, with that we should be content. And, and, and perhaps this is a lesson that, that all of us need to learn, um, not only now, but in the future as well, that contentment is really so important. And that if that is coupled with godliness, that, that we really, we really are rich beyond measure. And so God is working, uh, this out, hopefully, in, in our lives through not only now, but in the past and in the future, and creating and, and bringing about that, that maturity, that, that completeness, that wholeness in our lives. When the Bible speaks about um, perfection, it's not referring to a sinless um, uh, perfection, um, it's more like the Apostle Paul writes what he says, not as though I were 
already perfect, but I, uh, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We are pressing on so that we could become more like Jesus, that we can become more mature in our Christian walk. And God uses different things and different people, as we can read in Ephesians chapter 4, um, to, to bring that about um, in our lives. There we read that, that these things that God is using are really for the perfecting of the saints, and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. That's what James is talking about. That's what he is, is, is hoping and wishing that the trials that these Jewish believers were going through, that that is what it would accomplish in their lives. And hopefully, as we go through life and whatever it brings us, rain or shine, that God would be accomplishing the very same purposes in our lives as well. So hopefully when things um, get back to normal, whatever that might mean, mean for us that that God will really um, have used this time to draw us closer to him to grow us in our christian walk and and if if what you are experiencing right now has really um, confirmed that that walk that closeness with the Lord and that reliance on him day to day through these circumstances, then praise God for that. But we should never become complacent. We should never um, feel that we've arrived and, and, and we're secure. The Bible also warns us, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. God wants us to continually grow and mature and and. Um, be in the word and, and, and draw near to him and, and ask him for wisdom and, and guide and direct our lives as we would go on. And we can, we can live in that hope and, and we really do need to live in that hope because it will sustain us through the struggles of life as we can also read in Romans chapter 5, um, a number of verses here where it says, well, but we glory, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And so, as we close here, you know, the Apostle Paul, he encouraged the Colossian believers, and he actually prayed for them, hoping that... Uh, um, and this was his prayer for them, hoping that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, and so that they would walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, 
for all endurance and patience with joy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can I encourage you, all of us, that, that we would make this prayer that, that Paul had for the Colossian believers a prayer that for ourselves, for us. That we would, that we would pray that God would fill us with the knowledge of His will. That He would give us spiritual understanding and wisdom so that we could walk in a way that is worthy of Him. There are, that we would pray that we would be pleasing to Him and that we would bear that fruit and increase in the knowledge. Let me back up here a little bit and just offer this as a prayer. Lord, fill me with the knowledge of your will, with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Lord, help me to walk worthy of your name and in a way that is pleasing to you. Lord, help me Help me to bear fruit, spiritual fruit in my life. Every good work. And that I might increase in my knowledge of God and your word. And that I might be strengthened and have the power according to the glorious might of your power to be able to endure patiently with joy. Amen. Let me just close by, by sharing our text this morning, and I'm going to share it in, in a more contemporary translation. Dear brothers and sisters and friends, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it as an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. Amen. This time we'd like to play for you a special number that uh, has been put together by um, a large group of brothers uh, from around, um, literally around the world. And it's the song, I Need the Every Hour. It really is a song that, that's, that speaks um, not only to the time that we are living in, but also to the very things that James has spoken here and encourage us to recognize that we truly do need the Lord every hour. I hope that you will be blessed by it. Amen. <clears throat>